It is good to be here in God's house this morning at Porchlight Baptist Church. We've been singing for about an hour and a half off this morning. And uh, my throat, though, will hold out, I'm sure, as the Lord has been dealing with me on this message that we're in this morning. And we are continuing through our Roman study, our Bible uh, sermon series, Rooting Through Romans. This will be part number 44. And this morning, Lord willing, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Now there's going to be a few things that we're going to answer in this. And uh, such as, are Christians to be involved in politics? Uh, do Christians, are we supposed to revolt against authorities? Uh, are Christians subject and accountable to the laws of the land? These are just a few of the things that we're going to answer in this message this morning. As I've titled it, Christian Obedience to Government. Romans chapter 13, we'll go ahead and read our verses, starting with verse 1. And here the Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Help us now as we try to preach, and we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, as we're going through this, we're preaching on a doctrine that is really tough for a lot of people to swallow. Uh, if you say you believe the Bible, then you must believe all the Bible. If you don't believe it all, then you don't believe it at all. And so everything in the Bible is for our benefit. Now, some of it was written specifically to the Jew some to the Gentiles, some to both. However, the entire Bible is for our good, no matter who it was written to at the time. It's all God's word, and it's profitable. And so this morning, as we look through this doctrine, up to this point, Paul has really been dealing with Christian behavior within the church. And then a little last time, we talked about how we also behave with our fellow man in the world, but this morning, his attention turns upon our behavior toward the civil government, the powers that rule, authorities. And so our opening text said, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Notice it said every soul. Now, your soul is your very essence. It's your being. It's who you are. It's your life. Uh, force 
The Bible tells us in Genesis 2 and 7, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We sang this morning that song, The soul of man never dies. It doesn't. It goes on. And so your soul, once you leave this walk of life, will either go to heaven if you're saved, or it'll go to hell if you're not saved. But your soul continues on after you're gone from here. And so this soul means everyone. It means us. Every living soul. So we are subject, the Bible says, to the higher powers. Now who are the higher powers? Now immediately you may want to think, well, he's talking about things in heaven. He's talking about God and Jesus. And, and uh, you know, it would be easy to to get misled thinking that. He's not talking about that. The higher powers he's referring to are those higher powers that are referenced here on earth. And so it's our behavior toward them, our obedience toward authorities. These higher powers are people like civil leaders, rulers, law lawmakers, uh, judges, policemen, all these different uh, officials, um, you know, civic leaders, things like this that make up our laws of the land that everyone's supposed to obey. The Bible says that we are subject to them, that our every soul is subject unto the higher powers. Now, it's safe to, 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 um, to understand from reading all this, this letter was written to the believers in Rome, the church in Rome, and so it's not only directed toward all the world, but it's directed to the Christian. And with that in mind, God's word says every soul, meaning we, is subject unto higher powers. Uh, I want you to keep in mind that during the time that Paul wrote this, which we believe to be around 57 or 58 AD, Rome was the, the ruling world empire. They had been ruling for many years at this point. Uh, they officially became an empire in 27 B.C., now, so Paul writing this around the time of 57, 58 AD, they'd been in, in charge for a long time and they were a world dominant power. They ruled the earth. And so, you know, of course, from history, uh, what the Romans were like. The Jews hated the Romans. They put them under such strict laws. There were laws for the Romans citizens and then there were laws for the other citizens. And the laws for the other citizens were much more strenuous, and uh, there were more punishment for breaking those laws and uh, defying Rome and all this. Well, during the time that Paul wrote this, Nero was, of course, the emperor at the time, and he was bloodthirsty, and he was he was murdering Christians. In fact, it was illegal to be a Christian under the Roman Empire all the way up to about 313 A.D., during the, the reign of Nero, there was a lot of persecution. He was the one, of course, that burned burned uh, Rome, and but he was killing Christians. It wasn't until 313 A.D., Amidamino, that's after the, the century began there, the first century, that Rome began transitioning into a Christian nation or empire. Uh, but this letter was written uh, way before that happened. And so heavy persecution. These people that were reading Paul's letter, they knew what it was like to be under persecution by the government. They hated the government. They hated these rulers. They hated all these magistrates and all these centurions that were posted all over their cities and it infiltrated their very being. 
And so they naturally would want to rebel against it. There was a lot of insurrections that happened. In fact, that's what uh, the Caesar's main thing was to keep all this down. And, of course, those that were in charge of the cities, the, the, the governors of the cities and such, Pilate was one of those. When uh, all this Christianity began and, and there was insurrection rising up, Pilate was afraid that the, it, the word was going to get back to the Caesar and he would be in trouble for that. But during Paul's day, the Roman government made it very extremely hard on all Christians and anyone who was not a Roman. Now, we know Paul had dual citizenship. He was a Roman citizen, but yet he was a Jew. And so he enjoyed the benefits of being a Roman citizen. He was born that way. His father was a Roman citizen. Therefore, he was. And so these laws and things that the Romans had, Paul was under those as well. But uh, this is one reason Paul is addressing this issue with his readers is because of all the trouble that was going on during that time. Now, these same biblical principles, even though we don't live in, under Roman rule, uh, they apply to us. The same doctrine. This, and this is doctrine. This is Bible doctrine on how Christians are to be subject unto higher power. And notice there that the Bible says, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now that's a hard pill to swallow right there, knowing that God ordained some of these people that are our leaders, that are rulers, that are an authority. If you look at the rulers that's ruling the land that we live in today in the United States, you think, my goodness, there's no way God ordained that guy to be in charge. But if you believe the Bible, then that is the truth. It's the truth. Uh, I'm not preaching politics this morning. I don't, I don't believe you ought to. Sometimes I mentioned a few things in politics, and in the past that's, uh, that's been a problem with some people. I've tried my best to, to stay out of anything political, anything that's going to get anybody upset over that, because there's no place for it, really. It doesn't belong in the church. Um, but, Back in 2017, when Donald Trump was elected president, served until 2021, uh, we all know his history. We all know his life and what he has always been in his life. He's been a sinful, wretched man. Yet he was elected as president of the United States of America. Now, people like me and all Christians, most of us, said that God ordained that, even though he's such a terrible man. Uh, but God put him in place. And so we were encouraging all these people that hated Donald Trump and couldn't stand his very existence and those that were, were fighting against it and saying, he's not my president. We were telling them, listen, if you believe that God, if you believe the Bible, then God ordained him to be our president. He's put him in place because in Daniel 2.21, the Bible says, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And so that's what we were telling everyone that was against Donald Trump. Well, things changed after the election there in 2021. And uh, on January 9th, I posted a message on social media. And here's what I stated. I said, here is my one and only political post about our current situation. You can agree with me or disagree. It doesn't matter to me. Move along, unfriend me, blast me, whatever. But the truth is, if you claim Daniel 20 or 221 
When Trump was elected, you must also do the same for Biden. God is sovereign, not subject to your political beliefs, doesn't play favorites, nor does he need your approval. I went on to say I did not vote for Biden, but he is the elected president of the United States in which I am an earthly citizen of. Therefore, I will recognize him as such and pray for him as I am instructed to do and continue to trust in the Lord and believe in his word. And then I put scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 1-6, through 6, which says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, I don't remember exactly how many Facebook friends I have, uh, around 400, 300 something maybe. Out of those, I probably there's probably 50 preachers or pastors, maybe more on that are my so-called friends. And after I posted this, there were four uh, preachers that were in agreement with me. Four. Out of all the pastors, preachers, evangelists, missionaries that I interact with weekly, daily sometimes, four agreed with me. Uh, that's sad. That's very sad. And I give them the benefit of the doubt and think they just didn't see what I posted. Uh, but listen, the Bible tells us that this is pleasing to God, and this is how we live a peaceable life, it says. We are to pray for those in leadership. We are to be obedient to them. We're to be subject unto them, the Bible says, because God ordained them. Now, we look at them we say, I can't believe God ordained that man to be in charge. Do you know he ordained Nebuchadnezzar to be in charge? One of the most awful people on the face of the earth in history. Yes, he ordained that. Everything goes through the Lord. He is sovereign. There's nothing that happens that goes by him or that he doesn't allow to happen. And so we are subject to these. Listen, we are citizens of heaven. If you're saved, you're a citizen of heaven. There's rules in heaven. If you live here on this earth, and if you're listening to me, you do. <laughs> There's rules here on this earth, and we are subject to them because we're citizens of the United States of America or whatever country you may be listening right now. We have, uh, I think we reached, I don't remember, 10 or 11 different countries last, last month. Uh, sometimes we reach up to 20, 25 different countries with our, our messages. But wherever you're listening from, you are a citizen of your country, and you are to abide by the laws of the land. You don't have to like it. You don't even have to agree with it, but you must be obedient to it. Now, right away, there's people right now, turn that guy Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like what the Bible tells us. Well, listen to what it says in our next verse, verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive of themselves damnation. 
The Bible only gives us one reason to resist authority or to defy the laws that are in the books and in the land. And that is if it defies God's word, if it's contrary to what God's word says and causes us to have to rebel against God to do whatever they ask, that is the only out we have when it comes to obeying civil authority or the government. Now, I'll give you a few instances. Back in Exodus chapter 1, this is, of course, speaking of the time that Moses was being born. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, And the king of Egypt, now the king of Egypt is the higher power. He's the authority in charge. He's the one that you're subject to. Anybody that lived under that Egyptian reign was subject unto him. And he's also called a Pharaoh, by the way, Egypt, king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, which they were under his rule, of which the name of the one was Shapira, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children, Alive. All right. So there we have an instance of the the ruler of the land, the law of the land, uh, telling you that you are to kill someone. Murder. This is murder. And notice it was little babies. God does not is not pleased with killing babies. All through the Bible, He has spoke out against it. Those were putting their babies through the fire for Molech. He spoke against that. Called them sinful. Here. He's allowing these midwives to defy civil authority and government laws and say, no, you don't kill those babies. You don't do that. There's examples in the book of Daniel. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're sitting before the king's table and the king's meat and they say, we will not eat that. We refuse. We will not eat of the king's meat. That was his rule. That was his law. You have to eat what I put before you. They said, no, we're not going to do it. That defies what our God has told us that we're to eat. And so they refused to do it because God had told them otherwise. Also, Daniel, of course, when they made the decree, the law, for 30 days, no one could worship anyone or bow down to anyone except for the king. What did Daniel do? He went up three times a day, opened his windows up, and prayed in public. Everybody could hear him and see him. There Daniel was three times a day defying the law of the land. He got thrown in the lines then. But the Lord saved him. And so those are uh, three different cases right now that we talk about in the Old Testament where defying the law of the land that uh, it was because it was defying God's word. Now let me give you an example in the New Testament. This was during the early church. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So we have the apostles here, uh, who's Peter and John at this point. They'd been preaching the gospel, and those, of course, rulers took them, brought them before the council, and told them they're defying our laws and our rules. And they said, You're no longer allowed to teach in the name of Jesus. They said, well, 
So be it if that's what you think's right, but we're going to do it anyway because we can't help but do it. Because the Lord has told us we are to preach the word. So if it defies what God has said for us to do, then we, we, we have an out. But defying civil authority is forbidden except in those cases when it would be a direct violation of God's word. Paul says when we resist the power that's over us, that we are resisting the ordinances of God. Not only that, but he went on to say, they that resist shall receive of themselves damnation. Now, that word damnation, usually when we see it in the Bible, we immediately picture hell. We picture being condemned and sentenced to someone going to hell, that's damnation. However, in, the, in this case, it's not speaking of God condemning them in hell, it's speaking about the condemnation or judgment uh, or sentencing that they will have to undergo when they get caught breaking the law. So the truth is, if you break the law and it's found out, you will be under condemnation. That's just plain and simple. God's not going to protect you from being sentenced or condemned for breaking a law if it wasn't something that was uh, you know, defying his word. All right, now look at verse 3 of our text back in Romans 13. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So now here Paul's explaining that these men that God has ordained to be in charge and authority, they're there for good. He put them in place for good. Now most leaders, most, most leaders, if people are doing good, they're not condemning them. They're not making it hard on them if they're doing good. In fact, in a lot of times, they're, they're praised for it. They're given accommodations and things like that for doing good things. However, those that are doing bad, evil, breaking laws and, and uh, all this, they are the evil ones, the Bible's talking about, and judgment, condemnation, wrath comes down upon that. So Paul says, listen, are you not afraid of these civil authorities? Because they have the power over you, and if you do good, you won't have anything to worry about. It's like getting pulled over by the police. Officer pulls you over, comes and tells you to roll down your window. Roll your window down. If he asks you to give him your, uh, your identification, give him your identification. If he asks you what you're doing, tell him what you're doing. Don't sit there and resist and, and be a smart aleck and all that. You see these videos online all the time, these people defying the law. Don't ever say anything if the police pull you over. Don't do this. Don't do that. You better do it. If you don't want any trouble, do it. And so you see these people, then they have them on the body cams, and some people do it with their phones, and they get all smart and talking back and cussing and refusing to obey them, and then things get out of hand. And so people will say, well, those awful police, look at him, dragging that guy out of the car. Well, if that guy had done what he's supposed to do, this wouldn't happen. How does that policeman know this guy doesn't have a gun under his, under his leg sitting there, and that's the reason all this is happening? He don't know that. He has been put in place to keep law and order. And if he pulls you over, there's a reason for that. You know? Sure, there's, there's 
minor cases where people are pulled over for no reason. I understand that, you know. But the majority of law enforcement officers are good people. They're just doing their job. Obey them. And you, you don't have any trouble. I've never, ever had any trouble with a police officer being pulled over. Never. And you say, well, you're a white male. How do you know I'm a male? Are you a biologist? That's what they're saying now in Washington. Uh, the, new, the new judge that they've got up there uh, asked her uh, how to define a woman. If she couldn't, she said she couldn't. She wasn't a biologist. It, even though that they required a woman be a judge. So I don't know how that's that's going on. <laughs> I got off. I've got off there a little bit. Listen, don't don't fight against the law and authority and refuse to obey. The Bible tells us we're to obey them. If we don't, we need to be in fear because judgment and condemnation and wrath is going to come upon those who do evil. Doing evil is defying the law. And so, listen, you're going to get punished. Verse five, back in our text, wherefore. You must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So we're subject to these authorities. And if we do evil, we're subject to wrath. But if we do good, then it's for our conscience sake. What's that mean? Everyone has a conscience. Now, some people's conscience is seared. Some people's conscience is evil. Some people, those that's not been saved, that don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, that don't have God's love, grace, and mercy in them, their conscience is, is polluted. It's evil. It's wicked. And so it will not cause them to do the right thing or sometimes maybe even to discern between what's good and evil. And so you have people that we sometimes call animals out there. Those animals that killed those two young people here in Knoxville a few years back. And uh, on the front page it said animals. Their conscience were seared. Sinful, wicked, evil people. However, if you're a Christian, your conscience is guided also by the Holy Spirit. So we have the benefit of the Holy Spirit also driving us, but your conscience is the thing that causes you to know between right and wrong. It's And if you have a clear conscience, then you're a lot, you're a lot happier. People that have a clouded conscience or a uh, a conscience that is that is being it's under stress. Uh, there's something that's going on in their in their conscience that's dragging them down. They're miserable people, and so our conscience is a very important part of us, uh, and it requires being guided by morals, values, on a spiritual level. That's how you have a good conscience is through a spiritual level. Listen to what the Bible says about our conscience. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 12, the Bible says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. Paul says that we should be able to rejoice within our conscience, the testimony of our conscience. A testimony is something good. It's not something bad. Sure, you could have a bad testimony. But when the Bible's talking about rejoicing in a testimony, that's something good. So rejoice in your good, clear conscience. It's being guided, he says, not by worldly, fleshly things. Your conscience is being guided by godly things, by spiritual things, by the grace of God. You should rejoice in that. Because those with a clear conscience 
are going to have a much better life, happier life. We're able to discern between right and wrong, between evil and good, and uh, how to help others. That's our conscience speaking to us. Uh, look at verse 6. For for this cause pay you tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Boy, there is a lot packed into that verse right there. But Paul brings up paying your taxes. It's tax season. Was it April 15th still? That is when you're supposed to have your taxes in. They may have changed it since COVID. They did last year. I've helped both my daughters do their taxes this year. I've already done mine and sent them in and got refund back and spent it. <laughs> so uh, he referring, he's, this tribute is referring to taxes. Every government has a tax system. That's how they're able to pay for the programs that are in place in the government. That's how our roads are paid. That's how they pay people in different offices. That's how they do uh, all the benefits of a lot of things. And so it's, it's through taxes that uh, the, the land is able to be ran. It's sort of like a church is ran off the tithes and offerings of its members. The country is, is operating off of the taxes of the citizens. And so Paul says to pay this tribute, or the Bible. I'm, Paul wrote this, but the Bible says, God says, to pay you tribute also. And so I know there's a lot of people that begrudge paying taxes. I don't like it, and it doesn't say you have to like it. It says to pay it. didn't say like it. Notice it, it didn't say for, for this cause, like paying tribute. No, it said pay you tribute. So you don't have to like it. You can grumble and groan and go on and, and uh, wait to the last minute if you want to. But you need to pay your taxes. I know some people that never paid taxes. Boy, they got in trouble. <laughs> uh, I wish we didn't have to live in a world where we have to have taxes. But that's sadly the way it is. It's required by the government. Well, Jesus certainly believed in paying taxes. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us. Matthew 17 Verses 24 through 27. Jesus, here in his earthly ministry, Matthew 17, verse 24. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and says, Doth not your master pay tribute? He said, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, what thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take customer tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me, and thee. So Jesus paid taxes. He could have sat there in the house and said, no, I'm not paying taxes. I'm not of this world. I'm of the heavenly world. I'm not subject unto you. And that's what the, these people were coming, trying to get him on. They wanted to try to get him on tax evasion and uh, arrest him. And he says, no, he says, well, we're going to pay our taxes. And then he also taught the Pharisees a lesson in taxes. Matthew 22 
verses 15 through 22. Matthew 22, 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, <coughs> and teachest the way of God in truth. Excuse me. Neither carest thou for any man. <clears throat> for thou regardest not the person of men. I'm sorry. <clears throat> My sinuses are giving me a fit. <clears throat> All right. Verse 17, Matthew 22, 17. Tell us therefore what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt you me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought to him a penny. <clears throat> and he said unto them, Whose is the image in superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So here Jesus told the Pharisees straight out there. He's like, look guys, is, is this Caesar's money? Then we'll pay the tribute to Caesar. This is his realm. This is his government. We're subject to that. We'll pay it. He said, thanks to God, we're going we're gonna to give to God. And so it's a shame to know there's a lot of Christians out there who purposely try to cheat the government, the IRS, the tax system. They'll do everything in their power, try to, uh, they'll lie They'll put down that they gave um, uh, charity, gave to charities, so that they can get a, a more tax return or less taxes took out. A lot of, of wicked things that go on during tax season. And I've always been one to speak out against that because I've heard people, even in churches, laughing and snickering about how they got this over something off, off their taxes and did this. And uh, same with. Uh, uh, um, Going against your insurance companies, I've heard people brag about you know taking their insurance companies and or doing things that are wrong. Uh, that, that's sinful. So the Bible doesn't say we have to enjoy giving taxes, but it does say we're to do it. So the way that we deal with people in this world—government authorities, civil magistrates, law enforcement—the uh, people we're subject to. And we are, if you live here, you're subject to our government authorities. The world is watching us. They're watching Christians. They'd love for us to mess up. They'd love for us to defy law so they could do everything. Every time something happens within a church, somebody in the world always, this is the first thing they say, take away their tax-exempt status. Take it away. You preach about, you say anything about politics, a president or anything, they're preaching politics in the church. Take away their tax-exempt status. That's the first thing they want to start screaming. They're watching Christians. They're watching churches. Right or wrong, that's what they're doing. We need to be aware of that and know that we are to follow what God's Word says, and He says we're subject unto authorities. We're subject under the rulers of this land. We're subject to paying our taxes, our tribute. What Caesar's given to him, but what God's given to him. And so 
Let me read you one last passage of scripture concerning this. This is over in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 16. The Bible says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the, to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. Did you notice that? This is God's will that we do this, that we submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. For so is the will of God, for with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. There you have it. So, Peter writes about it. We'll be subject unto the powers that's over us, the ordinances of man, the king as supreme. Jesus told us we're subject unto them. Jesus told us that we're to pay our tribute. Here in the Bible, Paul writes what God's told him to write. He says to pay tribute unto them. He says to uh, uh, to uh, be subject unto the powers, the rulers that's over you. And listen, so what did we say at the beginning of this message? Uh, what about politics? Are Christians to be involved in politics? You can be. The Bible doesn't talk about it. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells us we're to be involved in politics. In fact, what the Bible tells us we're to be involved with is spreading the gospel. That is our one number one goal. Here's what happens. People get all enthused. They say, well, you know, the church needs to make a difference, so we need to get involved into these politics and, and insert ourselves in here so we can get laws changed and all this. Listen, you can do that until the cows come home. It's not going to make a bit of difference. Uh, what has happened in our land is that the church has gotten weak and it's been diluted. You no longer have people going to church, people that are real Christians that are getting into these types of positions. And so you have men like Donald Trump that will run for president. But I, mean, I don't know if the man's saved or not. I know his brother was, uh, Pastor Sexton, preached his funeral in the White House. Uh, but I don't know that Donald Trump's a saved man I, or not. I don't know. But God set him up as president. And I believe he set Joe Biden up as president. Do I think he's a good president? No, I don't. I think he's a horrible president. I don't feel safe in this country anymore because of it. I feel like he's a puppet that's being pulled with strings. Uh, I don't believe he's all there mentally. But I am still to pray for him. I'm still to be obedient to the government. I'm still supposed to do what the Bible says. What do you think they felt like when they were taken into Babylonian captivity, the Jews, when they were taken over there? What do you think when Nebuchadnezzar made all these rules and was torturing all these people? What do you think they did? Well, God set those up. God is the one that allowed that to happen. We must believe what the Lord has said. And listen, I know that God ordains these men to be in these positions. And that's difficult for us to understand how he would allow uh, an evil person to rule and reign. But sometimes that's what we need. We need to be subject unto these authorities sometimes to get us back in shape and where we need to be and realize 
we have strayed far from God. I believe that's what most of it is. When we see a bad ruler in place, it's our turn. It's our chance to say, I have strayed from God. Look at where I'm at. Look at what's going on. Look at what this world's become because the church has strayed from God. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. That church that would not even recognize him if he walked in. Oh, it's terrible to think of. Listen, friends. I believe the Bible. I believe it's true. I don't believe there's a mistake in it. And I believe what's been written here all the way back in Paul's day applies to our day right now. So yes, you can get involved in politics if you'd like, but that's not what the Bible tells us to do. Are we to revolt against authority? No, absolutely not. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us, tells us to rise up against the government and fight them. It doesn't say in there to defy the laws of the land. It does not say to refuse to pay your taxes. Are we accountable for the laws of the land? We most certainly are. You're a citizen of heaven. You're accountable for the things God said. You're a citizen of this earth. You're accountable to what, what the government has told you, what it, you're subject to under the laws of this land. So, like it or not, that's what God has said. You can take it up with him. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you for the message. Lord, thank you for telling us the truth. It's a hard truth. Lord, I'm praying for those individuals today. Their heart is hardened. Lord, they may be saved, but Lord, they've gotten into the mentality of this world and thinking like the world instead of the spiritual way and the Bible way. God, we need more people to think the Bible way, your way, what you say. Lord, there be more peace in this world. Lord, help us in those times that we want to defy the rulers of this land and defy the laws that have been written to keep us safe. Lord, I pray for those that are out there that's lost today. Lord, what a horrible thing to be in this, this wicked world and lost and not knowing where you're going to go when you, when you leave here. Lord, we know where they're going, but they don't have to. Lord, would you convict their heart today? Show them the need to be saved before it's too late. Help us reach them. Help us do our number one job of sharing the gospel. Help us, Father. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.